This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Bob Mould has been making music for more than 40 years. His career started off when he played in the punk band Husker Du, which was prominent in the 80s. Bob Mould is now out with his 14th solo record. Its songs reflect on politics, religion, climate change, and more. The album is called Blue Heart, and I caught up with Bob Mould this week to talk about the record. I first asked him about his song called American Crisis. Oh my gosh, American Crisis is the oldest song on Blue Hearts. It was written back in April of 2018 when I was living in Berlin, Germany. And it's one of those songs, It the words wrote themselves in about five minutes, and it was mostly me trying to stay out, stay out of my own way as these ideas were coming out. And I remember they dumped out on the page, and I looked at them and said, yep, that seems about right for where we are right now in the in the world, and that was two and a half years ago. So, I mean, specifically, the song is me seeing parallels between the first Reagan administration, which I grew up in, and the first Trump administration, which I'm we're all still going through, and uh, just sort of the television personality as president backed by evangelicals and you know in in Reagan's case not being able to mention the word AIDS for five years and I guess two and a half years ago I didn't bargain on a coronavirus happening so who knows you can't write this stuff really (laughs) (laughs) well you know I was thinking about some of the stories behind this song you know and this idea of like this you know pandemic or you know I don't know what you would what would you call AIDS was that a pandemic or just an epidemic um, well, I think if, if, because it affected the entire world, technically, it would be a pandemic. Yeah. So, And, you know, that was – and for a while, people didn't really know what caused it, and there was, like, so much stigma around it. And I think around that time also, you were you were coming to terms with your own sexuality, and I know Sunday was National Coming Out Day. What was coming out like for you? Uh, it was it was sort of like slowly tipping over a chest of drawers, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where maybe the top drawer falls out first, and then subsequent drawers and all their objects land on the floor as well. Um, it's it for me was not a not a one and done kind of thing. I think it was a series of small educational steps. I guess back in the 80s, you know, when I was in Husker Du and touring all over the world and, you know, especially in America in a van, I was pretty certain of my sexuality, but my sexual identity wasn't formed. Um, You know, maybe I wasn't spending enough time in the community, maybe... You know, a lot of different things, but you know, through the '90s, you know, when I, you know, when I came out publicly and professionally, things started to make more sense, and you know, into into the late '90s, especially when I stepped away from touring and rock music for a couple of years, and really spent the time in the community and integrating and feeling like my identity was lining up more with my professional life. That's, you know, I guess 1998 around then is when I started to feel 
a little more integrated as a as a as a gay musician or a gay person or just as who I who I think I'm becoming still to this day. Yeah, so it's always it's always a process. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you know the good the good news is you know I think America's made a lot of progress, you know when you alluded to the early 80s and you know not being certain how HIV transmitted and you know for me being you know, being almost 60 years old and remembering those times and, you know, taking some of the, some of that confusion and bringing that forward to, you know, to COVID and coronavirus and, and understanding that not every message is crystal clear at the beginning of a, of a pandemic. Uh, so, you know, I try to, I try to be mindful of, of confusing messages if they're actually, you know, if, if there's actual confusion as opposed to obfuscation. Yeah. So. mentioned also just living in Berlin for a few years and I'm just curious living in Berlin how did it make you think about America differently absolutely you know everything from my you know prior relationships with the city and with friends and it being such a you know arts and culture town and you know such a great rock and roll town too is on top of on top of the club life that's there you know just entering the the system you know I, I remember doing all of the, uh, you know, paperwork to register with the government and to register with the city once I had a, a flat. And sitting with a friend and getting, to, there was a question about religion. I said, are you religious? And my my friend said, oh, be sure to put no there. I said, well, why, mm-hmm. why, why do I be sure to put no there? And they're like, well, if you say that you're religious, you have to pay an additional tax to the government. What? I was like, Why? I was like, really? <laughs> and they go, yes, because what happens is you register as religious, and then you give the money to the government, and the government decides if the religion is legitimate, and then they disperse the money to the churches. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was, I was like, I like this system. <laughs> Very different than the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I remember, you know, getting settled in, and you know being out in the late morning doing errands and getting ready to head to the main street. And it was sort of closed down because of a public protest. And it was hundreds of people protesting, you know, women's reproductive rights, for instance. And I was just amazed because there were no police. There were no anti-protests. There were people just standing watching the protesters speak their mind and I agreed with them as they came by, so I, I clapped politely. And there were people who did not agree, and they just looked at them and said nothing and walked away and went on with their business. And I thought, wow, this looks like democracy, where people can take to the streets peacefully to be heard, and you can sort of have a you know sort of spontaneous civil discourse you know, through silence or applause. Isn't this amazing? You know, social issues and activism, you know, comes up uh, on this on this record. And I hear it in your song, Next Generation, where you have this line, please pay attention, take to the streets for your rights. rights. 
You've been active, as you said, you're, you're about 60 now. I'm curious, what was activism like for you growing up? And how do you think activism has changed with this younger generation? Well, when I got to St. Paul, Minnesota and started up my college life at McAllister College, um, I was anti-everything. Yeah, I was I was pretty nihilistic and, you know, just challenging authority all around because that's what punk rock was back in the late 70s. And, you know, I wasn't sure why I was protesting everything, but mm-hmm. it seemed like the thing to do. So I get that part of protest. Um, I was I was as opposed to Ted Kennedy as I was to Ronald Reagan at the time. You know, I just thought I, I didn't see I, I didn't see much of a much of a future all around. Um you know, I guess in terms of direct activism, you know, being, you know, being in a band and, you know, being one of hundreds of bands in the early 80s who didn't see a future for ourselves. And, and I guess, I guess I, I would frame that in the context of music, you know, the late 70s and early 80s, you know, I mean, pop music was very excessive and exclusive and a lot of the, it seemed very unattainable. There wasn't room for bands like Husker Du or, you know, bands like The Farts or whoever in Seattle, the punk bands at the time or Poison Idea up in Portland or, you know, the Dead Kennedys or Black Flag and what, or, or DOA in Vancouver. And what we all did was try to create a, a world for ourselves. And, you know, I always believe that we're, that music can change the world. And I think in our small way back then with fanzines and alternative venues and putting on our own shows and sharing information and, you know, helping bands when they came through town, giving them a place to sleep or bringing food to the show for them. I mean, that was all we had that we could do. And, you know, I think we got a lot of cool things done with that. So I I don't know if that's technically protest in the traditional sense, but it, I think it speaks to how being active and being in the street and being engaged can create new communities and that's how we that's how we ultimately make change I think. Yeah. You also talk about climate change on this record Blue Hearts. Um you hear it in the song Heart on My Sleeve and the first lines talk about wildfires in the west which you know you're in San Francisco now northern California is definitely facing that at this moment. You know Seattle a few weeks ago we were just you know in, in hazardous air quality conditions from the wildfires. You also talk about rising sea levels. What would you like to see done on the issue of climate change? Well, I mean, I've been talking about this for a long time. You know, I mean, I go back to 1990 with Black Sheets of Rain, the album. There's a number of songs that have, you know, the environment in mind as well. I think the first thing we need to do is we need to reestablish some sense of decorum in the American political system to where we can reacquaint ourselves with the Paris climate you know, agreements. I mean, it's just, it's these very simple things, you know, the last four years, you know, we've been terribly undone by our government. So I I think, you know, with the Obama years, we were doing a lot of the right things. I guess it comes down to voting in November and voting for the future and trying to get things back on track. Do you feel like musicians are in a position to, to make certain change in the issue of climate change? 
I feel good as we get closer to the election. I see a lot of musicians being more active and more outspoken. I think it's really important. I think it's it's imperative that if I have a voice right now, and I, it would be it would be foolish for me not to use it to try to convince people that you know we have to get back on course. And I guess I'm willing to take the risk of losing some of my fan base in being outspoken about it because I'm truly afraid that if we continue down this 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 poor course that we're on, um, I may not have a voice and that's worse than losing part of my audience because then I then I've lost my whole audience and and we've all lost this thing that we've spent decades building. Yeah. In your song Password to My Soul, you sing the lines, we turn to music when our hearts are filled with doubt. And that's such a beautiful line. And it leads me to my last question. And the question is, why does music matter? And it seems like you encapsulate this so well in that line. But just for you, why do you believe music matters? It saved me as a child. It saved me when I was growing up in a violent, chaotic home. It was the one thing that could drown everything out. It just gave me so much hope and so much to look forward to. And, and, you know, leaving upstate New York and going to Minnesota and, you know, having a wonderful time out there with, you know, with Husker Du and just, you know, all of our friends and what we were able to accomplish, you know, and just building this foundation for, you know, everything that happened to music in the nineties, you know, the, 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 you know, those, those good old days. And, uh, you know, just I think showing people that it, it can change the world. I mean, I I remember the Beatles. I remember Hendrix, you know, and just how they spoke to the world. Music is, is crucial, and it's such a subversive art form. You, you know, we all learn melodies and songs as children, and to be able to create a melody and put a strong message underneath it or next to it or on top of it and and stick that in somebody's head and when they walk down the street and they're just humming a song and all of a sudden you know whatever that message is is in their head that's a that's a really great thing to 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 be able to be part of that you know creating messages that i think are important for people and and just being a fan and when i hear music and it makes the the hair on my arm stand up because it's just so chilling and so true and becomes so personal that's I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, music is a wonderful art form. Well, there's a lot of messages in your latest album, Blue Hearts. I've been speaking with Bob Mould. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Thank you, Emily. That was Sun on Vision. Thanks to everyone who gave during KEXP's Fall Fun Drive, which wrapped up last week. It was a great success. If you appreciate independent public radio and the stories you hear on this podcast, I encourage you to give a financial gift at kexp.org sound. If finances are tight, you can still support this show for free 
by helping us play that algorithm game and subscribe, rate, interview this podcast. It actually helps it more searchable and discoverable in this digital podcast world we live in. But most of all, thanks so much for listening.